The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. The scripture this morning comes from Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you, Marissa. Good morning, downtown church. Good morning, downtown church. Are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Well, you just put your hands together for Jesus. He is mighty and strong. There was a a lyric that we had sang this morning, and sometimes we can kind of overlook what we're singing, but uh, we know that these words are true and real, but... And it's just in that so will I, I just remember the part where it was speaking of his self-existence uh, and his glory, which is amazing because God has such intrinsic glory, which we will talk about this morning, that it blows our minds. Uh, and we should be overwhelmed with it. Um, and it is a beautiful aspect of our worship because there's no other God that can do that. No other God. I've literally seen other people worship other gods. And they're mute. They have no glory. But we can look at the sun, the moon, and we can see beyond the solar system and understand that the fingerprint of God is not only throughout the universe, but it is on every single last one of you. I don't, I don't know about y'all, but that, that just caused me to run around this place about three or four times. Isn't he good? Is he good? I also want to read one extra scripture uh, in your hearing before we go into God's word. It is in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Here's the word of the Lord. Therefore, holy brothers, you are you who share in a heavenly calling. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy for more glory than of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone. Say someone. But the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house. As a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful. Say faithful. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son and we are his house. If indeed we hold fast 
our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Very word of God to add to what we already have. I just want to help us this morning see that God's glory is the very value of our church. And in our church, we're going through the values in our DNA. And the first thing is that we will, uh, we will do everything to make sure that we demonstrate God's glory. If you go to our core values, you can read right there in the scripture and it highlights how if we're captivated by God's glory, it begins to expose the idols in our hearts. Amen? So that's where we want to we want to go this morning. Uh, before we do, I, I wanted to do this at the beginning of uh, when I got up here, but I, the worship service is the Lord has been drawing me in. But I, I'd like to celebrate our people. You know, sometimes we we can all of y'all are doing different things around the city. You're doing different things in your life, and sometimes we don't get the opportunity to celebrate each other. How much? How many of y'all know we need to celebrate one another with a family? Amen. So I, I'd like to celebrate Brother Terrence as he is. Uh, uh, the author, <laughs> Brother Terrence Gray, soon to be reverend, uh, has written a book and it has been an incredible journey to see him and to see what has happened and manifested. And they had a big celebration yesterday. So he's wrote a book entitled, We Want a Different Story. And I just want us to put our hands together and celebrate what God is doing in this man. Amen. We want to pray that God uses what what he's instilled and created and made in Terrence that will influence and impact our city and generations to come. Amen, somebody. Uh, and so again, many of y'all are doing several different things. So make sure y'all tell us because we want to celebrate the family. We want to make sure that we represent that. But before we go to God, let me pray for us. Amen. Father, we thank you and we bless you for your word. For it is real and true. It is the very thing that guides us and instructs us in every single way. And so we ask now, Lord Jesus, that it pierce the hearts of the sinner. That it begins to convict the heart of the saint. And Lord Jesus, it encourages those who are broken and depressed and downtrodden. And as it does, Lord Jesus, I pray that we walk out of here seeing your glory as bright as ever, knowing that you, Lord Jesus, has called, has called us to praise you. So I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart uh, be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, all God's people said. Amen. So when we think about glory, typically in society, we think about it ourselves. So I, I, I like being in a multi-ethnic church because there are very different ways that I can express things. Okay? And so one of the things is that we see glory in the way that people spend money. We see glory in the way that rappers wear chains. We see glory in the way that some of our country music brothers and sisters wear their cowboy boots. We see glory in the way that we watch American Idol. The Voice. Various different things that where we highlight the individual and we make much of them. So many of us talk about who's the goat of different sports. Who's the greatest of all times. I know some brothers who will text me uh, to over 250 times talking about LeBron James and Michael Jordan. I'm not going to point no elbows, but they in this room on the front row. <laughs> 
always interested in talking about the greatness of an individual. But I believe that Exodus shows us a picture of what real glory looks like. And what it's interesting to me because when you read Exodus 33, Moses is interceding on the behalf of God's people. And as he is, he gets to the point to where he says, God, show me your glory. But in his question, in some sense, it should be rhetorical because God has previously showed Moses his glory by being in a cloud, by parting the Red Sea, and actually through the ten plagues. I mean, God has demonstrated himself to be glorious in such a way. But Moses, in a way that he's known God, he says, God, I know that's not it. So can you show me more of your glory? And so God, in his wonderful grace and mercy, he says, you know what, I will show you all my goodness and proclaim the name Yahweh, which we understand Yahweh is different from Adonai. Yahweh is God's personal name. And you would hear it as Yeshua. And as you do, you understand God is speaking to his covenant people. And he says, I will show you my personal name in order for you to proclaim it. But he said, you can't see my face, Moses. Because if man sees my face, he will die. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you my backside. And that does not mean that God turned around to show him his back. What it meant is that God literally walked past and as he did, he covered Moses in the cliff of the rock. And when he did, everything in that moment could have killed him, but God shielded him. But he passed by and you know what was left? The remnants of his glory. There is nobody in America that can do that. No idol. No other God. No other person. But God himself. And what he does is, he shows Moses how powerful he is. And he actually affirms the fact that Moses, yeah, you know a little bit more. You know that I am bigger than you can ever imagine. And brothers and sisters, I want to bring that reality to the text as we think about it this morning. I want to bring that to the reality of where we need to be in downtown church. Because some of us come in here not understanding the massive, incomprehensible glory and ability of our God. But yet we come in and sometimes we think he only does less. But here it is. If we, I want you to take this down, if we are aware of our need for God. If we are aware of our need for God, we will be aware of his glory, the radiance of his glory. But you know what blinds us a lot of times? It's our sin. Because Romans 3.23 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Because we are, all of us are sinners. And if we were just to... Ask God to reveal himself more and more to us here at downtown church. I think something more powerful than we can ever imagine can happen here. I'm not just talking about an emotional or charismatic movement. I'm talking about God transforming the way we view one another. Transforming the way we look at our lives as Christians. Making it more tangible and real and tasteful in such a way that every time we come in here, we sense his presence because God has walked by. If we are aware of our need for God, we will be aware of the radiance of his glory. But there are idols in our hearts that oftentimes hide his glory from us. And we don't know, we actually don't know what it is. 
We actually have a hard time figuring out how we're going to define it. We actually have a hard time figuring out how, how we're going to call for God to, to, to show himself strong for us. And it's because of doubt. It's because of fear. It's because we don't know what to ask for. So I want to define it before we get to our three points, okay? Which our three points are, we see his glory through the work of Christ. Just for my note takers, we see his glory through our priestly works towards one another. Through priestly works towards one another. And then we see his glory through all of creation. But before we get to those, I want you to, I want you to ask the question to yourself, how? How it is that God has glorified himself throughout the Bible? What is it that glory actually means? It's this mysterious deal in which we can talk about it in very abstract ways. But here it is. I want to break it down for you because it's more than just how much cash that you have. It's more than just a big chain you got on your neck. It's more than wearing Balenciagas or having a Louis Vuitton or having a Maserati. It's bigger than those things that you gravitate yourself to. Here it is. God, the glory of God is a is an external manifestation of his being. His glory appears in Exodus 16 and 10. Where they said, there's a cloud, the glory of the Lord appeared. It is revealed in Isaiah 40 verse 5. And you can see it in Numbers 14, 24. Which God has shown himself in many of it we see as a theophany. And a theophany is the very appearance of God recognized by his people. Theo meaning God and pheno meaning appear or reveal. Greek terminologies that help people to see that God has manifested himself in various different ways. Three ways that we've seen throughout the Bible. Through nature God has appeared. Through person God has appeared. And through his word he has appeared. That's why we say God's word is living. Sometimes when we understand God's word is living, it becomes more glorious and gives us a picture of our glorious God. Amen, somebody. I know y'all going to talk to me this morning. And so the nature in which God shows himself is through thunderstorms, whirlwinds, a pillar of fire or a cloud. In fact, when you look at Genesis 8 and 3 and 8, you see God is walking through the cool of the garden. The Bible says they heard the sound of God walking through the cool of the garden. An anthropomorphic analogy that actually shows the attribute, that God has human attributes just so he can relate to humankind because the fact that God trying to show himself in real time to us us will actually kill us. That's what we just demonstrated. So he says, I have to show you in different ways through nature. And then you also have God showing himself in person where you see a theophany of God as in human form in his appearance to Abraham. Where in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through, 6, 1 through 6, it was amazing because here it is. You have Abraham who is talking to somebody that he's never seen before. But yet this is a God whom which his forefathers worship other gods. He's saying, I'm the real true God and this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave everything that you know. In fact, I'm going to make you a great nation because I can do that. God appeared to him in such a real sense. And then through his word, Yahweh as word, the very voice of God was revealed to Jeremiah. When you look at Jeremiah 1 through 4, and when you look at Jeremiah 9, where God actually had identified himself in a physical touch to him. Do you, do, 
Are y'all tracking with me this morning? God has made himself real to his people. I still think God can make himself real to us today. So if you know what God's glory is in its manifestation, and then you know how God shows himself and appears, you can actually worship him and not be mute to him. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? So actually when you walk through the door, you can actually understand that God's presence is here, not because we conjured it up, not because we made a lot of noise, not simply because we raised our hands, but he's here because he's faithful. And so when we understand this is important, when we understand the importance of his glory and how massive it is, it should just already cause us in our nature to worship him. We should come in ready to do so, exposing everything that's trying to call us away from him. This is actually what the Hebrews are dealing with. And this is actually a, pre, a picture of what you see in, um, in, in Exodus chapter 32. Where what did they, who did they worship? A golden calf where they had God showing himself in a pillar of fire and in a, car, in a cloud. I do think we can all struggle just like the people, the writer who is writing to the people of Israel with various different things. Because we oftentimes do not recognize his glory. So we have to know that, first of all, we see his glory through the work of Christ. When you look at verse 1 in in Hebrews chapter 3, the Hebrew writer is encouraging us to consider Jesus, seeing that we all have been called by this heavenly call, and that we share in something. It's obviously sharing in this otherworldliness, which is heaven. And in sharing in that otherworldliness, we're actually identifying with God, with Christ, in his humiliation, and also in his exaltation, in other words, in his glory. And in doing so, we have to consider... how we ought to humble ourselves. This is how we see it through Christ's work. Because what does Christ do? He lives with his people. He suffers with and for his people. He dies for his people. He prays for his people. In fact, he's fully empathized with his people. That's why he's a priest like no other. A high priest like no other. And we understand that it is through these works that we will see and they have seen his glory. It's important to know that Humiliation is key to God's glory. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. Because it's almost as saying, it's okay for you to empty your bank account, go broke for somebody else, and live homeless. Would any of you do that? I would not. I'm going to just tell y'all right now. I'm not growing broke for none of anybody. But my wife and my son. Amen, somebody. But Jesus, being who he is, he actually humbled himself to where he poured out himself in order, emptied himself in order for us to know him. It's the very opposite. It's uncomfortable. It's unorthodox. It's sacrificial. And what's interesting is that how can you see glory through suffering and sacrifice? How can you see glory through suffering and sacrifice? I I don't understand. I've been reading, uh, I got this book now, I just got slave narratives. And I am just, I am enamored at the fact of how they are able to see God's glory in such suffering. 
they can actually call on the name of Jesus and believe in him after the Bible has been misused in order to keep them enslaved. But they know that something beyond the slave quarters that they were in, it was something far more glorious. That their suffering was not it. That their hope was not fulfilled. That it was to be fulfilled. And so Harriet Tubman can make an underground railroad and preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sojourner Truth can go around and preaching the goodness of Jesus and know that there is something to come. Frederick Douglass can stand before councilmen and other city officials and government officials and know that it is not it. This isn't it. No thing, nothing can keep me captive but the glory of God. But let me bring that down to where we are. Sometimes humility is difficult for many of us, especially when you become a believer and next thing you know, you're learning a couple things. But the Bible humbles us because it's not knowledge that puffs us up. That's what the Corinthian church had to issue with. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, he says, don't let knowledge puff you up. Don't let it do that. Humble yourself. I told y'all before, I went to seminary and I've seen so many individuals that were far more intelligent than me, that were far more capable than me. But a lot of my brothers fell out of seminary because of the lack of humility. Some of them today are not even in the pastoral ministry simply because their knowledge was the very thing that they put all of their worth and value in. How many of y'all are putting value in who you are? How many of you putting value in your kids? See, if we're going to be a church, even when we talk about being a multi-ethnic church, and see, these core values are going to touch on some, some hard points for us as a church, somebody. Being a multi-ethnic church, we have to push ourselves beyond the bounds because we are humbling ourselves each and every day that we walk in here. White folks are humbling yourselves because of the culture that you have. Black folks are humbling yourselves because of the culture you have. Asian folks are humbling yourselves because of the culture you have. Hispanic folks are humbling yourselves because of the culture you have. African people, every single individual in here is humbling themselves because we are trying to show off the glory of God through the way that we're uniform because of the work of Christ that's brought us together. Which means we need to humble ourselves. And so he says, consider Jesus. And I want you to consider in a humiliation, but I also want you to consider in an exaltation. When you look at Luke chapter 14, and you get to, uh, y'all keep me on time because my watch is wrong. I didn't set it back. <laughs> on purpose. Uh, when you look at Luke, Luke chapter 14, 11, where, you, where you're actually, where Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay? God is glorifying himself right now. And what does he do? I mean, not, yes, Luke, what, what does he do? Not, I'm sorry, not Luke 14. I'm getting my head of myself. 14, 11. God is actually calling his people to exalt them, to humble themselves before they exalt themselves. Look at Luke 14, 11, uh, if you have it in your Bibles or your smartphones. He says, for everyone who exalt himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be what? Exalted. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will be, and you will be exalted. He will exalt you. The scripture makes it clear that you exaltation comes after humiliation. That 
Humiliation precedes exaltation. And in doing so, you see a glimpse of God's glory. This is what you get out of Philippians 8 and 11, where it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every oh, I need somebody to know the Bible. Every. Now, come on, I need y'all to be with me. So that the name of Jesus at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. And in the heavens and on the earth Every tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you say, Mike, how do I practically understand and live out God's glory? It's by proclaiming His name. Exalting Him. Humbling yourself. That is how you will see it. Because when you look at... Where he is telling you to consider Jesus, he's saying consider him in the way that he has made himself an apostle, in the way that he is the high priest. Apostle being sent out one, literally a messenger, one sent to us in the manger, in his incarnation, so that we may know him in a very personal way. Kids, if I can make it simple, Jesus made, dumbed himself down so we can look better. And in him doing so, he actually said that I am not only going to come to you, but I am going to become a high priest so that I will always pardon you through the cross. We no longer need pardoning through a priest or or going to a confessional booth. I was in Argentina once and I was in the cathedral where Pope Francis was serving. And as I was walking, there it was, a man on his knees confessing in a confessional booth. Real time, two years ago, I was unbelievable. I've never seen anyone literally on their knees in real life confessing to another priest. I just wanted to tap the brother and say to him and say, you don't have to do that no more. But I couldn't speak Spanish. God, in this word to the Hebrew, in, in, in the book of Hebrews, I want you to know that it's very tangible to a people who are being distracted by false teaching and Gnosticism. This idea in which they are trying to confess Jesus, this is what it says, he's the apostle and high priest in order for us to confess him. They're trying to confess it, but there are other people that are trying to sway them. And when you think about other people trying to sway them or other teachings and doctrines trying to sway them, the Hebrew writer is urging them to hold on to the confession or the profession that they've already made. Because it is far more glorious. That's what we need to hear today, brother. Because I receive phone calls and see brothers in the ministry that have fallen away. I've seen and know people that you, many of y'all may know, who have lost their position in absolutely everything and are driving Uber and Lyft because they wanted to fool around with another sister. I've seen them lose absolutely everything because they fell to the idols of their hearts and they fell to other doctrines and teaching I've ever had. And I'll tell y'all time and time again that I've had friends that have denounced the faith after seeing God doing miracles and things in their life. And when I say miracles, simply transforming them and helping them to see the glory. I've seen them walk away from God. So it is real. 
Because sin is grotesque. And our nature is as well. And thus we need Him to humble us so that He may be exalted. And that we will realize our fallenness. And then we also do this through priestly works towards one another. You know what? The Bible tells us that through our priesthood, we actually demonstrate pastoral acts towards one another. In order to glorify God and bring glory to His name as a community of believers. If you are a priest in your home and a priest in your job and a priest in your classroom, a priest in in, in any setting, you're actually bringing with you God. Everywhere you go. And in doing so, there are two things I want you to consider as being priests. You need to be an intercessory, you need to be an intercessory prayer, and you need to understand how to exhort. You need to be an intercessory prayer and understand how to exhort. I believe, church, that our corporate body, if we develop dedicate ourselves to diligent praying to God for one another, for one another, we will benefit from. God's glorious acts and faithfulness that unify us. If I were just to think about someone in this congregation as I'm driving and say their name in prayer. If I were to think about as I'm washing dishes. Brother White. Brother Mike. My brother Joaquin. Sister Betty. If I were to think about any of my brothers and sisters and begin to pray for them, I believe that God is honoring that in the sense of which we're interceding always on one another's behalf. Why? Because Jesus is doing that. That is why he is highly exalted. He is not only going to prepare a place for us, but Jesus is always praying for you. And he demonstrates this because when you look at the mountain of transfiguration in Acts and Luke 9, 20, 28 through 30, we see a scene where Jesus is transfiguring. But it says, he was praying. He was praying. Then the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two talked Two men came to talk to him, which was Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. They were so blown away. Peter said, wait a minute, minute, hold on. So you mean to tell me, because we fell asleep, you prayed, transformed, transfigured, and we're about to leave this mountain? Now, Jesus, let me build three altars or shelters in order for us to stay up here because we got to capture this moment. And Jesus saying, listen, brother, you've only seen a taste of what's to come. I don't want you to stay on this mountain. I want you to show other people what you've seen. And in doing so, I want you to show it, Peter, by what you are going to do in Acts chapter 2 and 3. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? And so many of us at downtown church need to hear this. Because when you think about it, sometimes we get distracted. And I thought about this. Are we distracted with God's glory or distracted with other things? Excuse my hand motions. But I was just in Detroit just, just a couple days ago. I've been in Detroit all week, right? And I was with one of our sister churches and I had a great time. And it's cold in Detroit. And I brought my big coat. And I, it was so cold, my feet were cold. My hands were cold. My eyeballs were cold. Everything was cold in Detroit. 
but it snowed up there and the pastor came and picked me up and I forgot my sunglasses in my room and as we were driving it was still a little cloudy but the sun was coming through it was bright and it was bright it was reflecting off of the sun off the snow and I said to myself my goodness it's so bright out here and he said yeah isn't it interesting how the sun can shine off the snow and it make everything so bright I said my God if we were to think about being priests we are to reflect God's glory and then if you think about it if we are just as he is describing himself white as snow he is the light of life then we ought to think about ourselves as ones demonstrating and carrying that light in which it is so bright and brilliant that other people see it right here from downtown church Beloved, that's what we are actually doing. Some of us need to hear that because you don't think about the light that you have in you. You don't think about the manifestation of Jesus Christ making himself so real to you that the radicalness that we're saying as the mission and the vision of this church to love Christ, to love neighbor, and forming a new community happens through this brilliancy of Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do we glorify him? We glorify Him by constantly praying. That's my point. We glorify Him when we pray and we sing. We glorify Him when we pray for one another. We glorify Him when we hug that sister or brother. And we say, the Lord has put something on my heart just to pray for you. And you begin to rub that back and pray some of the strong words and pray what the Lord has placed on your heart. That is when God begins to do some things in our community and change some hearts and things that we don't understand. But the other thing is that we exhort. We not only pray, but we exhort. And we exhort, why? Because... The Bible says if you can exhort one another, do it. If you have the gift of exhortation, if you just like, I don't know if that's true. Romans 12, 8, read it. The reason being is, is because Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up anyone, I mean, stir up one another to love and do good works. And then in Hebrews 3 and 13 where it says that... We should exhort one another every day. So when you walk into this building, the first, sometimes some of the first things we should do is exhort our brothers and sisters. One brother that has been a pitcher and I tell him, I tell him sometimes how I'm blessed by him is Brother Orchid. Every day I see him here early. He's here before a lot of us. He put the mic stands up. He helped make this bright light that blinds me a lot of times. Right there. He hangs and turns on a lot of things, but sometimes you don't see him doing it. But if you do, if you do it's okay to say, I appreciate what you're doing. And I'm thankful for it. And some of us around here are doing other things and it's okay for us to speak words of exhortation to encouragement to one another, knowing that those are the very things that build up the church. It's not you trying to display good works. It's you encouraging each other in the good works that we do. I believe God can do that. But then it also comes in the way that we admonish one another. Admonishment is is a clear picture of faithfulness and truth. Just like Richard said earlier, that so many of us go to so many different churches and so many of us go and we we are not committed to a people. We're not committed to a people. And, And we're not being committed to a people. We can't contribute truly to a people. So sometimes when I'm, what I mean by that exhortation doesn't only come with encouragement, it comes with admonishment. We actually can be priests the way that we admonish one another. I don't think you should do that, brother. I don't think you should talk to him, sister. 
I think you probably need to reconsider some of the moves that you're making. You probably, I don't, the way you're spending your money, you may need to think about that. Some of our seasoned brothers and sisters, I need y'all to step up in here and correct and admonish and exhort some of us young folks so that we may know God's wisdom through you. And peers, we ought to do the same thing to one another in order to build the body up. And, and, And lastly, because I know I'm running out of time. It's through all of God's creation. It is in it is in Psalm one nineteen. It's in Psalm nineteen one where the where the where the where the psalmist says the heaven declares the glory of God and the sky above and proclaims His handiwork. I have a lot to say about this, but I'm gonna cut it down to this. When we've seen what I've talked about right now is the radiance so far of the radiance doxide actually saying that Jesus has lived his life in a way that has been a doxological life that's shown off his light. But there's also the weightiness of it. Kabod. That is the Hebrew word in which you see and Moses is describing you see God's substance and his weight. And so you can feel the weight of his presence. Actually when we think about 1 Corinthians 10 31 when Paul says whatever you do whether you eat or drink do it all for the glory of God he is actually connecting that word to the Hebrew word kabod of weightiness and substance and so what he is saying I don't care what it may be that you're doing if you can do it for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ do it all for his glory and the reason being is you can just go right up just a couple verses and check and 23 where he says do not do anything for your own but do it for your neighbor in creation what he shows not only I'm not just talking about the moons and stars and the multiple galaxies that we just sung about but I'm talking about y'all if you understand that God created you but let me take a step back if you understood your gentileness if you can relate to when God when Paul is talking to the Corinth to when Paul is talking to the church in Athens I mean yes the church at the Jerusalem at the council excuse me I want y'all to think about the fact that he is telling them that the Gentiles don't have to be circumcised because God has done something else by filling them with the Holy Spirit giving them that baptism and so now what Jesus is saying to us is that you too were once a Gentile understanding how far off you were and alienated from him then you can understand the reality of what it means to be so close to him being wrapped in his glory is important I heard one illustration I was reading Brian Chappell's book and it was about a dad he went to, to he took he and his son he packed them up he took them up to see his wife she was working a, a night shift and they wanted to celebrate her birthday and they didn't want her to celebrate it by herself and so he packed everything up and he said I'm going to celebrate my baby and so he put the baby in the car and he drove all the way down to the hospital and they put on a whole shindig and afterwards he had gifts and presents to stuff in the car and so he sets the baby on top in one of these little wrapping deals and as he set the baby on top of the car and he put everything in the car he began to drive but as he was driving down the street so many people were honking at 
them and flashing their lights. Man, y'all can come on and come down. He was flashing their lights to him. And as he was flashing their lights, he didn't know what was going on. He was still driving. He gets on the on-ramp. He's 50 miles, 55 miles an hour. He's driving down the freeway. And there's a car that's behind him because they see a baby on top of the car. And as they see the baby on top of the car, they're slowing down just to anticipate when the baby falls off the car. The baby trickles down. He realizes and hears the bump and sees his baby falls on the freeway. The car stops and skirts. He makes a a clear stop. Thank God nobody hit each other. But the baby falls right in front of the car that was tracking behind them so carefully. And as he gets out of the car in such a frantic mood, he picks up his baby and he sees that the baby is just a-okay. And because it wasn't necessarily because uh, the, 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 whatever the baby did or uh, him stopping, it was what the baby was wrapped in. The device that was wrapped around the baby was so heavy and weighty that it was actually protecting him for the foul that was to come. I'm saying that God's glory wrapped around downtown church and wrapped around each of our lives can protect us from what will come. Because if we are aware of our need for him wrapping himself around us, we can be aware of his glory through his work through priestly acts towards one another and all of his creation let me pray for us as we continue to worship father we love you and we bless you we thank you jesus for your mighty hand upon your people we ask that we with all the creation say so will i praise your name and give you glory exposing every idol in our heart Protect us now and forevermore. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Let us continue to worship God when I give it.